was talking about Asbury, what's happening there. And I said, one of the dangers that all of us have is wanting to try to carbon copy what's happening at other places. And that's not what God does. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, and I'm Byron Paulus, and I'm uh, the founder of the One Cry Movement. And it really is a movement right now. As you're listening mm-hmm. to this podcast, God is moving, began at Asbury, as many as you know, campus after campus after campus, a long list where God's stirring and churches and even starting to impact some communities. This may just be one divine moment in the season of certainly my ministry and perhaps in all of our lives. And we don't know where it's going to end, but I do believe that God wants us moment by moment hearing his voice, being sensitive to him and asking him, what is it that you want me to do to throw fuel on the fire of what you have begun to do in our nation and even around the world? So today uh, on the One Cry podcast, the name Kyle Reno is very familiar to all of you listeners. Kyle, wow, it's so fun to interview you yeah. for a change, and yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to hear the rest of the story. And uh, the senior pastor at Crossgates there where you're serving, Kyle, is David Jett. Both of these men, I just want you as a One Cry family to know that both of these men have uh, been swimming in the, the heart for revival uh, since very early in their ministry, if not before. And so this is something that God is doing, not just in various campuses and churches, but has been doing in, in my heart and, and crying out for him to come, and also in Kyle and David. And God did come this last Sunday in an extraordinary way there at Crossgates. On the previous episode, I think it's 89 or 90, uh, uh, you can hear the story of what God did 104 baptisms, very spontaneous, service extended from the first service through the second service to two o'clock or so in the afternoon, and there were no words to describe what it was like when God's manifest presence came there at Crossgates. And so today, I wanted to follow that up, guys, if we could, uh, with uh, talking heart-to-heart to pastors. I know that's the majority of our audience. But I I just think there's tons of pastors out there. I know my pastor, a large church where I'm attending, had a lot of questions. What do I do this Sunday? What do Mm -hmm. I do in preparation for the collegiate day of prayer coming up? What do I do to to create space for God to move in our congregation like he moved at Asbury and elsewhere? And, And here's what he said. I know he's on the move. I just don't know what to do. Man, this is somebody that I'm telling you, he bleeds revival. Yeah. Know the president of a large university. Talk to Bill Eloff, Kyle, uh, this week and said, I don't know what to do with this. And uh, help me. So help these pastors. Will you guys to the best? I know it's God, but (laughs) just uh, talk heart to heart to pastors. Yeah. Mary, you, bro. (laughs) You go first. Well, uh, first thing I would say to any pastor out there that's asking that question of what do I do? Um, don't feel like you're in the in that lonely place by yourself in that question, because that's what we're all asking. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, um, 
that's just the heart. And I think for us, I know in my spirit, God had already told me that our church was ripe. And I think that was from just years of wondering if I'd missed God, wondering if we had missed God. But I, I do want to say that that if I go back before that, um, God put in my heart, and I was telling Byron earlier, 35 years ago, actually, God put in my heart uh, what I didn't have in there before, and that was a burning heart for revival. And then brought through brokenness and repentance and just a continuation of that, a longing to see a move of God. In fact, I can still remember the prayer I prayed before I ever was in the ministry because uh, I was in business during that time. And and I just said, God, you don't have to do it at my church. I just want to be part of it. I just want to see it. I want to experience it. And and um, and so I would say that, that get with God and see about getting yourself readied. And then I can tell you that from our perspective, oh, man, our God had ready to. That's right. And uh, so you want. Yeah. I, I would to say to pastors, you know, what he said, it starts with you. Mm-hmm. It starts with us. And I know, Byron, we've talked about this before. And it's one thing to want to see the results of revival. It's another thing uh, to have your heart ready for revival. Right. You know, and that I think in some ways, by God's grace, we had went through a season of prayer and fast. We talked about this in the last episode that had made my heart more ready, yeah. my ear more in tune to what the Lord was saying. We were leaned over the scriptures, anticipating mm-hmm. that God was speaking and wanting to do something. And I, I think, too, and I don't know how to say this, uh, but to believe that God can still do this kind of work. Right. You know, to lean in and look at pastors and say, there is more. Right. There's more than just Sunday morning. There is there is an invasion. There right. is a moment where God makes himself known mm-hmm. and that you watch life mm-hmm. change. I think one of the questions you had talked about, Byron, is this, is this real? You know, like, well, I can tell you a lot of real life change, right. you know, stories. I can, show, I We can walk you into marriages that walked in dead in their trespasses and sin and dead in their marriage mm-hmm. and walked into the kingdom of God and then into the baptistry waters, you know, like just life change, man. So, yes, it's it's real and, and, and it should be longed for. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that um, I also I told our church, I told our staff um, last week, actually, before it even came on Sunday, I just said that was talking about Asbury, what's happening there. And I said, one of the dangers that all of us have is wanting to try to carbon copy what's happening at other places. And that's not what God does. I said, my feeling is, is that just as God gives each one of us individually, he gives us fingerprints that are unlike anybody else's. He gives each church a fingerprint of what he wants to do in that church. So for a pastor, I would say, you know, your church, you know, uh, what God's doing, you know how that church works and what's God's what God's doing there and how he works at Crossgates is going to be different from the way he works. It's going to look different, even though it's going to have the, some similarities. It's still going to look different. So I just want to encourage you, don't try to say, well, I've got to go to Asbury and get a dose of that and bring it back or something like that. And even though I'm not saying you can't do that, I'm just saying, man, God, ask him what he wants to do at your place and at your church. I think that's what I would encourage you mm, to do. Sure. I would uh, respond also, David, maybe on the flip side a little bit, that uh, once you've seen the fire, the smoke is on your clothes forever. And yes. People that do step into the fire and they see it, yes. like said, you'll never convince anybody, the questions, it's real, okay? You'll never convince anybody by explanation, but only by demonstration. Wow. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. so when they see it demonstrated, you won't have to explain it because right. 
you know, uh, people that have been to Asbury, you've heard this, and I don't know what's there. All I know is God's there. I don't know what right. they're doing. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I, yeah, with that, I would just say that with, so yesterday, our Sunday, whenever we were doing, I, I don't know how many of the people standing in line waiting to get baptized, I was talking to them and, and I would tell them, I would just say, well, you're in God's presence and God's wrecking your life. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in a ne- negative way, but when you surrender totally to the Lord, he's going to change things and mm-hmm. you'll never be the same. Right. Once you've been in his presence, you'll never be the same. This day for us it was february the 19th this this day will be etched in your life for all eternity and that's what happens when you get in god's presence yeah and i think you know somebody said uh, uh but it doesn't last and i say but they'll always remember what it was like to be there yeah. in god's presence so I, well, uh, i'm not a pastor you all are mm-hmm. i have to believe though there are pastors who are afraid they're yeah. afraid of uh what god may do they're afraid of what do I do when God does do what he does. Uh, there's this uh, sense of, of just uh, insecurity, maybe unreadiness. Uh, how, do, how do you talk to a pastor who said, I'm just afraid to let go, maybe? Yeah, I think I think with that, one of the things I would say that is there's a balance there because I, and I've tried to walk this and tried to remind myself of this. There's a balance between leading and controlling. And uh, when we're leading, we have to then know who we're following. And when we're controlling, then we're the one that says we're in charge. And so with myself, I may, and I say this all the time to our church, I always tell them, I've told them this for years, I don't know what I'm doing, but I do know who I'm following. And I trust and know that he knows what he's doing. And so with that, I just walk into it that way. And, uh, you know, and then I think there takes that that step of bold faith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even with this that we did, you know, mm-hmm. Kyle felt like this was a word that God had given him about the area of baptism and to do it Sunday. And, man, I wasn't for sure. Mm-hmm. And I had to get with God. And ultimately, I came to the place where I said, Lord, I trust that Kyle hears your voice. And I'm trusting that you are speaking to him and so I'm willing for us to step into this. And then it was after that that God confirmed it, actually, through a text from Bill Ellis that he texted me and told me about the move of God at a, a friend of mine's church where 52 were baptized at a youth event this week. And he called it spontaneous baptism. And as soon as he said that, that was the confirming word that told me. And this, and this was at 530 on Sunday morning, by the way, that uh, this was God. And that I that I was in, but it took me stepping out in faith mm-hmm. that this was a word from God, and then God confirmed it. So yeah. I get, I mean, I get the the hesitation, yeah. But but God knows we have that. Yeah, I think for you even to say that, but you were discerning yeah. the whole time. You were listening. Yeah. You know, so it was because that's leading, right? Leading is discerning mm-hmm. those things. And I, I think I just the only thing I would add to that, Byron, is. You know, why Why would we be afraid of him? Right. You know, what a weird thought. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, are we afraid of we might look silly? Are we afraid that something might get out of order? Well, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe you have to address all that. But don't be afraid of God. Right. right? Don't be. A, let's not be afraid of what God might do. You know, in the midst of that, it says to me when I'm like that, it's probably saying I'm more concerned about my image in that moment than I am what God might actually do. In that in that gathering or in your church as a whole. So, right. wow, that's great. And I guess there's fear of man in all of us, right? 
Galatians 1.10, I now seek to persuade men or God. If I seek to please men, I shouldn't even be a servant of Christ, I think it says. And uh, so I have to go back to that verse and say, wow. Yeah. yeah, well, I'll tell you something also with that that God's used. In fact, I've talked to the staff about it in this area is in 1 Samuel 17, verse 15, where Samuel says to Saul, he says, although you are little in your own eyes, are you not the king of Israel? And I think that what when I told them, I said, there is a balance between humility and a fear of man that we have to check. And there is a humility side that, God, I don't want to do anything that you don't want done. But but there's also in Saul in that ultimately his was a fear of man. But there can be a fear of man side that you're only going to do what pleases the people rather than what pleases God. And I think with a pastor, we have to kind of say, okay, Lord, I know I I don't see myself as a big deal, but you've put me in this position and I'm going to follow you in it. What do you say to, how's a pastor respond uh, to the naysayers who says, uh, this is emotionalism, this isn't uh, really of God, revivals don't, you know, all the arguments, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard those, those doubters out there who think we're the, we're the ones that are off base. They aren't. And uh, I, I just would love to hear from a pastor's heart. How do you answer those congregants that's going to come to you? Well, so first of all, the whole thing on emotionalism, I've had to deal with that for years, you know, um, and I love, and what I've actually, I, I've, quoted Jonathan Edwards in the first great awakening. And as he was talking in that and what he wrote um, there about that, about revival. And, and he said in there, and I love this statement I've used it, and this is my paraphrase of it, but he says that a display of emotion is no sure sign of a religious affection, but no display of emotion is a sure sign of no religious affection. And so there is a balance there where there's going to be emotions, no doubt. But if we say, hey, I can have a move of God on my life with no emotion, they're lying to themselves. And, it's not emotionalism, but it doesn't bypass the emotions. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, and and also, you know, um, one of the things that as I even before Sunday in my time with the Lord, I, I shared with Bill, actually, and I think he put it on uh on what he sent out, yeah, and uh, about what God had shown me about just what happened to Jesus, about the six different groups that are going to form. And I think for every pastor watching, we need to kind of see it. And it comes out of Mark chapter 3, and um, and it's verses 20 through 27. I won't read all of them, but just talked about Jesus entering a house, and crowds began to form. His disciples were worn out. They didn't have time to eat. Family, His family came, Jesus' family came, and said he's out of his mind. Religious leaders came and said, you know, he's possessed by Satan. And then he just went on from that. And I just said from that, and this was out of my daily journal, I, and just walking with God that day, I just wrote these things, the pressures of a move of God. I said, when Jesus shows up and begins to move, miracles begin to happen, and the kingdom of God is proclaimed. Six groups of people begin to form. And this is what I just wrote down. I wrote this to these six groups. First group is the followers, which would be the disciples in his case. These are the believers uh, that are his disciples who will be exhausted. That's part of it. They're just going, it's going to happen in a move of God. The second group are the hurting. These are the lame, sick, and demonized who come pressing in out of sheer desperation. The third group, I just call them the familiar. And these are the ones who love us, but not the movement. And they will try to protect us from ourselves. The fourth group are the curious. 
Uh, these will come uh, to check out what is going on. They won't get involved, but will tell others what they have seen and what they think about it. And that's going to be a lot of them. Uh, the next group are the religious. Uh, these come to refute and renounce the move, even calling it demonic. And the last group are the what I call the disruptive. These are sent by the enemy to discourage and disrupt the move of God. And I said, we must, uh, so I just told this to my staff today, as a matter of fact, it's we must diligently be ready to navigate through these various groups with humility to sustain a genuine move of God. And so what I would say to a pastor is, I, and I've learned, I've learned this actually having been in a move of God where I was at a previous church with Pastor Steve Gaines whenever we were there together for 12 years. And, uh, and, and, and one of the things we have to learn is the religious people are going to try to come and they're going to say some awful things. They're going to say, it's not God. It's terrible. You know, it's most, and what are they going to say? And what I'm learning is, you know what? That's what they said to Jesus. And so we're in pretty good company. That's and right. we need to expect it and not try to refute them. Don't, don't argue. Just, you know, just know that you're going to have them. There's going to be people that love us that are going to come and say, hey, listen, you don't need to do this. This is going to hurt your ministry, you know, and or as his family did, you're out of your mind. You're going crazy. And uh, and I love this. And this is what I told our staff today. The beauty of that was that Jesus later, his mother did come to join him. And then in his resurrection, one of the one of the ones Jesus appeared to personally was his brother, James. And so don't get mad at them because they may wind up joining with us. And uh, so anyway, as a pastor, you're going to have those. And um, that's just part of it. That's part of a move of God mm -hmm. that when God comes, he said on one side, he says that I'm going to bring division that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, I've just learned that if I'll just trust him, I don't like it. You know, when that, when it happens, you know, I'm like most of us, we don't want people mad at us. But in it, just know that that's part of what happens when God starts moving. I saw a post today, no opposition, no revival. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good <laughs> That's a man that simplified it. Right yeah, there. Right. <laughs> He's forward. Hey, uh, just in closing here, and I don't want any of us to presume upon God, but uh, I think there's probably thousands of pastors, those that long for revival, like you all do, that are kind of looking forward. What could this become? Yeah. Uh, what are some elements that maybe are standing out that says, wow, this, because this element's here, this thing could explode. And, right. and, and uh, yeah, yeah, just what's on your thoughts on that? Well, here's what I want to say. As a guy that came to know Christ, 41, about to be 42, I came to know Christ in the move of God he referenced at Gardendale. I'm a I'm a child of revival. Mm -hmm. You know, like I came out of a local little R, real move of God. Let me tell you what I think, just in my spirit, I think that what's happening is uh, the Lord has heard y'all's prayers. Mm. That's what I think. I think he's heard yours, Byron. He's heard Jets. He's heard Steve's. He's heard Bill's. He's heard a generation that was ruined in a real move of God in the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. And y'all have tarried and prayed and sought God's face and taught others about mm -hmm. it. I think that this is the next the next great move of God. I really doubt everything in me believes that. I, th I think y'all have led from what God did in your lives back then for a long time. And what I hope, here's my hope, because this is this would also be my fear. I would hope that the next generation of leaders for our faith are 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 
completely changed by the fire of God, by the movement of God, and that we lead until the next generation does. You know, right. so that because if we don't, uh, what are what are we leading? We're going to do the best we can. But if we if we learn the presence of God and that there's more to the kingdom of God right now, then it can set the sails and the course for our faith yeah. for de- like it did for y'all. Mm-hmm. It set the course of, of of our faith for decades. So I think it's the next. I don't know what the name of it's going to be, but I, but it's good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, 50 yeah, years I, since the last Jesus movement, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Wow. Great. I think great, one of the things that, work, that I, yeah, I think one of the things I would just add to that is um, about what I'm seeing in it is that as our nation, there continues to be this push to separate our nation from God. This generation behind us that are in the midst of all of that is God is calling them to a surrender to God. And I think that that's what I'm seeing is what we're seeing at these campuses are people are just falling before God and surrender and just wanting to be in his presence at our church. We didn't, I, I know it may sound like you'd have to go back and listen. We did not push hard on surrender. Right. It was part of the message. Yeah. We didn't throw it, that word out. We yeah, it wasn't like, you know, totally, we didn't make a big deal. And yet, Literally, probably 80% of those that were baptized, the word that they brought was, this is a total, I'm making a total surrender to Jesus. And so, and it was, and, it, and they were, there was tears in the midst of that, just weeping in the midst of a total surrender. And I'm talking about big men and little kids and all in between. Yeah, and so, awesome. I don't know if you want to say that it's the unique part. I think another thing I like about it is um, that it's happening as as moments, unconnected moments, it seems like all, all over. So we didn't like run up and see what was going on at Asbury and then run down and try to duplicate that. And what's happening at another college, we didn't try to duplicate that. But instead, what happened is God is just saying, I'm moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's inviting us, I believe, into a God move. Yeah. Well, there's so much I want to ask you and so much I want to say I might add too, uh, because <laughs> this is just, uh, I think the fact that there's no central personality, yeah. that uh, there's no names. <laughs> in fact, people are saying that, man, those people on the platform, no offense, Asbury, uh, they really aren't that gifted. But doesn't God take the weak <laughs> things that can found the mighty and the yeah, things, yes. that, are not, things yes. that are? And uh, I just think that leaves all the room in the world for God and God alone mm. yes. to be and glorified. And uh, wow. Thank you, David. Thank you, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just, I love you guys. And mm. I love the privilege these years of our passion of being uh, just affinity one with another, longing for the glory of God and uh, for the knowledge of the glory of the Lord to cover the earth, mm-hmm. cover the sea. That's all of our prayers. And Amen. I know your prayers out there as a One Cry family and podcast family. And I would just say, be available, be surrendered, and be ready. Yes, that's right. Uh, to come in great power. So thank you, God. Thank you for these moments. Thank you for what you're doing. And God, this is only a glimpse, I believe, as Kyle said, of what's to come. And oh, God, I pray that we will not be of little faith. We will be of big faith in a big God to do big things 
so the Lord, your name can be exalted in a big way. And that's our, that's our longing. That's our heart. We ask you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.